Ellen. It's a cold day this morning. I grew up um, in the country in North Alabama on a family farm. And my grandmother always says something. I never knew what it meant or if it was true. She would always say on cold days, I'm not complaining, it's cold. She would say, well, we need the cold weather to kill the bugs. So if any of y'all are farmers or y'all know farmers, y'all can let me know after the service if that's true or not. But, um, but that was a way for her to appreciate uh, the seasons and appreciate the cycles we're in and the rhythm and harmony of nature. You know, we have cold weather for a purpose. We have spring for a purpose. We have summertime for a purpose. And we have fall for a purpose. And we're definitely in winter season right now. Thank you so much for reading that text, Christy, about how Jesus, the word was harmony, but another word for that is peace, how Jesus both provides us peace and then Jesus also empowers us to be agents of peace in the world. My sermon text today is on peace, and it's a one-verse reading. So I invite you to hear God's word this morning. This is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. I'm reading from the Sermon on the Mount, one beatitude. This is Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Read that one more time, since it's one verse. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Church, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we thank you so much for the gift of today. We ask that your spirit comes into this place so that you hide me behind your cross and our focus is on you and not me. And may your Holy Spirit work in our hearts and minds today as what we think and say and do after worship reflects more and more of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Amen. One thing that's always helpful for me is to remember that Christianity is not only theory, it's also practice, right? We study, we learn, we pray, we read scripture, and Christianity does not stop with knowledge, right? With abstract, you know, moral imperatives. It's something we practice. It's like musicians. I was thinking while Alan was playing this morning, you know, musicians study music theory, right? They study the theory of harmony and melody and rhythm and things like tone and keys and chords and timbre and things of that nature. They study that, but musicians spend a lot of time, much more time practicing their trade, like they play. If you come here early, you'll hear Alan practice. If you stay after service, sometimes you'll hear Alan practice, and Kim, who plays him for us too, does the same thing. Musicians not only study the theory of music, they, they practice it, right? They practice it, we hear it, and it's wonderful. The same thing goes for us as followers of Jesus. We study, we pray, and it's not just to know what Jesus says and teaches. It's not enough just to know the Lord's Prayer. We're supposed to practice it, live it out. And when we practice, we're going to make mistakes, right? And as we practice, we examine, do daily examines or weekly examines and say, God, here's a place I did well. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And here's a place, God, I need to maybe improve because I made a mistake. Help me 
forgive me and help me. We practice out our faith. I think that's so important as we think about being a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called the children of God. It's important to know that and it's important so much to practice it as God's people. Now, being a peacemaker and understanding what peace is and God's understanding is a lot different from what I used to believe. I used to believe peace would happen if we just did not have war. Like I connected peace with war, and war is violence, right? Violence is all around us, and war is violent. And certainly, being agents of peace means we don't want war. Maybe I tied that to my understanding of the 60s history, you know, peace, right? We don't, we don't want war, but that's not exactly what God is talking about. It's more than that. Or maybe because I grew up like in the 70s, you know, in 80s. I remember as a little kid watching TV, and there was a Coca-Cola commercial they'd have around Christmas time. And they get all these people singing a song and lighting a candle, and they were in the shape of a Christmas tree. They would say, I like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. That's the song I sing, right? And we'd watch that. It felt very peaceful. Like, I just need a candle and a Coke. And... <laughs> And then I have peace. If anybody here works for Pepsi, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not working against you today. Yeah, my, my, my last, uh, as an aside, my neighbor and I lived in Alabama before we moved was a, a Coca-Cola rep. And so he, I guess I'm, he kind of embedded these Coca-Cola analogies in my head because he was not allowed to drink any Pepsi products, of course. But it's more than just teaching the world to sing in perfect harmony, although harmony is part of it. See. A peacemaker, in God's term, the word peace is rooted in a deep sense of wholeness, of harmony. The word in the Jewish context is shalom. That shalom is a deep-seated wholeness. So being a peacemaker as a follower of Jesus is just not saying, can't everybody just get along, right? And it is saying, I wish there was not a war in Ukraine. It is saying that. And it also goes into somebody's wholeness. What keeps somebody from being whole? What keeps you from being whole? Is it grief? Is it loss? Is it income challenges right now? Do you not have health insurance? Are you in a housing dilemma? See, there's boundaries that happen in life that prevent us and our brothers and sisters to experiencing peace. Peace and wholeness is much deeper than can't you just get along. It's are you experiencing the wholeness of life that God intended? Do you have enough? Do you feel loved? Do you have housing? Do you have health insurance? Do you have enough financially? Right, those are things that keep us from experiencing this whole. So when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, it's not only interceding. You see two people about to get in a fight, you intercede in a fist fight. It's much deeper than that. It's even more deep than saying, let's end the war in Ukraine, although, amen, we need to. We prayed for that. 
but it's how do we, as God's people, experience wholeness? What do you need today to be made whole? It's personal. What do you need to be made whole? Because until you're whole, you can't experience peace. You can have glimpses of peace. You can feel it for a little bit, right? You have moments of peace. But there's that nagging feeling that, ah, this is still going on. You have that anxiety that this is missing. It keeps you up at night. You struggle with it. Wholeness doesn't mean you don't have struggles and conflict and anxiety, but it means you have enough to experience some peace within the challenges of life. It's personal. And two, it's structural, right? There are things out there that prevent me from experiencing peace, or there's some things out there, some structures that prevent others from experiencing wholeness. Being a peacemaker means that we sign up to following Jesus and we want to seek wholeness for ourselves and our loved ones. And we want to make sure structurally there's places for everybody to experience God's wholeness and shalom. Look at Jesus. Look what he did when he lived out peace, right? He went to places in the synagogue and taught the people who were in the in crowd. The people who were not on the margins, he ministered to them. And then he went to the margins, of course. The people who were outcast or left out. The people who did not have enough. The people who were sick. The people who were Samaritans, this other group of people who the folks despised. Said, no, I want to bring you in the middle. The people who were sick and shunned from the area because they thought sickness and sin were connected. Said, no, I want you to come in and experience God's wholeness. The woman at the well who he wasn't supposed to talk to, I want you to experience wholeness. Healing on the Sabbath. When people said, you can't heal on the Sabbath. You can't do work. He said, no, I want that person to experience wholeness. There's no reason to put off peace for a day if you can bring peace to someone right now. Jesus modeled this image of wholeness. Being a peacemaker is committed to, I want to live in a way, I want to feel God's wholeness. And we want everyone to have the opportunity to have enough and experience God's wholeness. It's personal. As you pray for peace, how can I have peace? It's hard to be a peacemaker if you don't have peace yourself. How do you find peace? How do you pray for that wholeness? How do you find community and feel loved and feel wholeness? What keeps you from having enough so you can feel whole? As I look around us, I think of other places and spaces where there is not wholeness. Now, I've, most of my career was in civil engineering. I was in highway and bridge design and consulting engineering work and did a lot of interstate projects. I was fortunate, you know, planning new interstates, widening interstates, right? Doing all the work to make interstates happen. So I know the history of interstates. And it's not a great history of how we built interstates in our nation. It ties to that structural wholeness that's missing. So during the New Deal, to go back in history, during the New Deal, we started the Federal Housing Administration. 
And they were going to try to insure mortgages so after the Great Depression, people could have home ownership. What we did, and all of you can look this up, right, is, is it was for whites only. Minorities were not included in the Federal Housing Administration's work to provide backup mortgages to people who were minorities. And so people who are white benefited from that, and people who are minorities did not. And the nation created a thing called redlining. They redlined areas that could receive federal housing backing for mortgages, and they would determine which ones could not. And over time, that increased the value of people who were whites' home ownership, and it decreased minorities' home ownership value because you couldn't have backing for loans. They became risky. Banks didn't want to lend. You couldn't get a a mortgage to repair something, you couldn't buy something, it was harder. So over time, in the 40s and 50s, you know, until this stopped in 1968 when the Fair Housing Act was passed, the value of minority communities went down and white communities would stay the same and go up in most cases. Then we started building interstates, right? The 60s and 70s, build interstates everywhere. And to build interstates, where do we put the interstate through a community, which will cost less? We'll go through the neighborhood that has less value, and it costs less. So many interstates were put into these minority communities, many times splitting the communities in half, requiring tons of people to move. Look no further than Durham. 147, going through downtown Durham, went through what was called Black Wall Street, and it decimated that area of Durham. It was something that's violence, but what people call a slow violence. There's violence that happens, you know, there's physical violence, there's war violence, but there's a slow violence sometimes that happens. It's a slow violence that works to keep people from experiencing wholeness. And that's what peacemakers do. We look at things that are violence, we want to stop this violence. And we want to stop slow violence that keeps people from experiencing economic and physical wholeness is personal and it's structural because we want to make people whole. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. Being a peacemaker, if you look at the Greek word, the best description, a peacemaker bravely declares God's terms which makes someone whole. The best definition I could find of peacemaker coming from the Greek text is someone who bravely declares God's terms, which makes someone's whole. As we pray for peace today and peace to come, as the Jacko family read from the Gospel of John, my peace I give with you, my peace I leave with you, is what Jesus says. Jesus gives us peace. We're not alone in this journey through the gift of the Holy Spirit. As we pray, Jesus helps us become a peacemaker. As we pray for the Holy Spirit to help us, the Holy Spirit helps us become a peacemaker. It helps us be people who bravely declare God's terms, which makes someone whole. I bet there's places and spaces in some people's life here today that need peace. I pray that Jesus can bring you that peace through this church, through your friends. We're talking to myself or Pastor Jen. I pray that you can experience that peace. And then I suspect that some people here who can be peacemakers in our community and work to remove barriers like Jesus did 
that prevent people from being whole. Because when we do that work, we will be called the children of God.